0: There's an entire artificial intelligence ecosystem for enterprise search. Most of this is in the purely virtual world. Companies helping with a layer of AI-enabled search that sort of understands terms or phrases and is able to return the kind of results or answer the kind of questions that someone enters. But that problem is compounded when we try to search the physical world. If we're a large bank and we're looking for financial records going back, you know, 40 years to handle a lawsuit of some kind, we might have to investigate not just digital files, but microfiche and printed paper in different storage facilities in our different locations. If we're looking for legal documents, again, we're probably going to be combining paper or other physical formats along with some kind of digital corollary, if we have some more recent digital corollary at all. This is a challenging problem, but an important one for firms that don't want to spend two weeks locking their lawyers up in a room to be able to figure out some legal issues or find certain clauses and past contracts, they'd like to be able to search them, whether they're physical or digital, find what we're looking for and more quickly, allowing enterprises to be more agile. And that is the topic of this week's episode of AI and in Industry. This episode is sponsored by Iron Mountain, and our guest is Anka Konzelman, who is Director of Product Management at Iron Mountain. Iron Mountain is a $4 billion physical and digital storage company, Uh, Based in the Boston area, they handle the records of some of the largest financial and healthcare and retail brands around the world. Mananka speaks with us about the future potential of artificial intelligence for search within an enterprise, not just search of digital files, but search across formats. What could it enable in areas like legal, in areas like HR, but also what could it mean in specific verticals like finance or like energy, where we're searching varied formats for patterns that matter to make important business decisions in ways that right now are are nearly impossible uh, to do. Anka illuminates some interesting points about where the future of this technology could potentially be headed, and I think it's pretty eye-opening from the perspective of folks who are in the enterprise now who know just how hard this problem actually is. So without further ado, this is Anka with Iron Mountain. I am Daniel Fagella, and you're listening to AI in Industry. So Anka, where I wanted to get us started here with the interview is in a sort of horizontal use case of of AI for search and discovery in legal. We've done a lot of interviews around NLP and contracts, and I know that there's some specific use cases there where there really is a lot of business value. Where do you see most of the opportunity there?
1: Yeah, so it's it's actually a great use case. The contracts, every company has them, right? And we all hope that we have lots of them, right? So more customer contracts is good but that also means that we have oftentimes a very distributed set of sources right so it could be by product could be by region so i'm i'm trying to look across a collection if you will of contracts that's really hard to navigate so it's really hard to answer really simple questions like where are all the contracts for this particular customer right it gets even harder when you think about answering questions like Which of these customers have non-standard payment terms? Generally speaking, Mm. now you're starting to read contracts, right? And of course, that doesn't scale. The other problem is that you may not necessarily be sure that you caught them all. So every company has this problem, and every company could really benefit from using some of that machine learning and AI-driven classification and metadata enrichment in order to make those kinds of questions easy to answer.
0: Yeah, maybe we can get into a couple of these sort of business examples like you were saying. You brought up I think a good starting point here around non-standard payment terms, right? Maybe we maybe we've realized that a certain kind of payment term has a much lower you know, kind of, um, let's say, retention rate at the one year mark than other kinds of payment terms. Or we have a certain kind of higher legal risk that all of a sudden we're very wary of because of some change in the laws and we really want to look back through things. Well, we could see all the accounts that fit that bill through a more sophisticated search with AI than by, like you had said, reading every single active account that we have on file, which might be just egregiously time consuming and full of human error. So that's one example. What are, what are some other interesting ones, some other use cases where it's not going to scale with people, but searching those contracts would make sense with machines? Yep. So another really good
1: one is actually an HR, right? So another, you know, kind of process or department, if you will, that all of us are dealing with, right? Every customer has an HR department, every customer is holding employee data. And so with the privacy laws that are, you know, already enacted in Europe with GDPR and that are coming in California next year and in Brazil next year, this is just going to, you know, essentially become a, a universal requirement. And the requirement is pretty hard to meet unless you actually can do these things at scale. So where is personal information? Where do I have employee information? And, you know, can I find it? A, can I produce it when the employee requests it? Can I remove it when I need to remove it? So one of the things that's changing with these privacy laws is that, you know, the I keep everything forever retention policy is, you know, frankly, just not viable anymore. And, oh, by the way, you know, complying with these privacy regulations, if you can't do it, they're really big fines, right? You're looking at 2 to 4% of revenue or 10 to 20 million euro for GDPR, the higher of the two, by the way, not the lower, so, you know, pretty big fines coming. And, And so, being able to identify where personal information is in documents, both physical and digital. So, for example, right, I've been at Iron Mountain for a long time. When I first came, there were physical pieces of paper that were filled out. Those are still sitting somewhere. But there's also digital information that was collected, you know, when I had my review last month. So how do I go across those different repositories of information and physical and digital. Some of it may be, you know, office documents, some of it may be images, some of it may be who knows what, right? Yeah. So different kinds of content and, and really go across that and be able to answer the question for each and every one of those source files, right? So things like, where is the personal information? being able to say, okay, give me this employee's personal information across all of those different repositories that I ingested from, finding that reliably, being able to keep it in an appropriate way from a security and access control perspective and applying retention policies so that you know if I quit tomorrow, seven years from now, the retention on these documents might be up and the company is obligated to get rid of this information when it doesn't have a business need to keep it anymore. So... Privacy and HR documents is, you know, absolutely another use case that you can't really, you know, get your arms around with just people.
0: Yeah, and I'm actually not as familiar with those more robust enterprise HR considerations of GDPR. It sounds as though it's it's sort of time of storage and where personal information might be stored for different people. Is this an instance where if if, let's say, you know, we might have an obligation where if we find, let's say, thousands of employees that are no longer with the company, we have to find a way of purging their information or we take employees that maybe previously were with the company and there was information that we collected that maybe we no longer want to have on file or that maybe maybe we just need to retrieve for them in some kind of transparency effort. Like, What would be the instance where we would need to do one of these sort of bigger search functions and dig through, like you said, the paper, the digital, the images, the whole nine yards?
1: Yep. So so it's for existing employees even, right? So as an employee, you have the right, or as a customer for that matter, you have the right to ask a company you're either employed by or you're doing business with what information they're keeping about you. So first of all, you need to be able to answer that question and answer it in a timely fashion, right? The second thing is, as an employee, I now have the right to rectify, meaning I should be able to tell you, hey, this is wrong. You need to correct it. And then I also need to actually be able to, you know, get that stuff, right? So for me to be able to say, oh, okay, Anka, here you go. Here are all of the documents that we have that contain personal information about you, right? So you need to be able to produce all of that information. And then finally, it's the right to be forgotten is what it's called. And that's the piece where, you know, once there is no you know, business, that original business purpose for which you collected the information is no longer relevant, i.e. I no longer work for the company. Now I have to actually destroy that information. And I have to do that in a way that I can prove that I did it according to the policy, right? So Mm -hmm. I need to be able to show that, I actually started my clock ticking from a retention perspective based on the termination of that employee, whether they quit or they, you know, were let go, doesn't really matter. And then, you know, having that clock run out and, and for me to have a standard process where I'm now going through and destroying the information, whether it was physical, whether it was digital, I need to be able to do that consistently across where I'm holding that information.
0: Yeah, and then someone's gotta go into those vaults or into those digital files and, you know, purge whatever you need to purge, but the onus, it sounds like, is is obviously on the firm to get rid of it.
1: So that's where, again, ingesting all of that into an end-to-end platform where I not only can, you know, take the physical information and digitize it and now potentially get rid of the physical so that I don't have to deal with that down the line, I can take all of the information that's coming out of, you know, digital repositories, could be file shares, could be SharePoint sites, HR, you know, shared drives, and pulling that all into a common repository so that I can then very easily comply with what I need to do from a, you know, policy perspective. That's another benefit of, you know, finding all of this stuff, being able to ingest it all, being able to enrich it. So pulling out key information like what employee is this document for? What kind of document is it? Yep. Does it have personal information? And now I can treat it appropriately with the policies that need to be applied to it.
0: Yeah, and and existing businesses, you know, probably whether they like it or not, are going to have to deal with some kind of kludge of that kind where we take all the funky, weird formats of of the world. We have to at least find them. Maybe we wish we could go back in time and invent computers 20 years earlier, but you can't do it. So, I mean, real challenge I can see here getting all that done, but obviously to be able to do it in one place would be the goal. I I do want to move on to some sector specific use cases, but right before. I do. I know we only touched very lightly on legal and I can kind of imagine again personally what might be some other instances. You you were kind enough to illuminate here a little bit in terms of HR. When and how would we need to do these searches for what purpose? For legal, you'd mentioned certain kind of payment terms. I imagine that could be for anything, right? I mean, it could be for certain kinds of legal language or certain specific clause language of some kind. It could be kind of anything that maybe we think poses a risk legally that we want to reassess or maybe hints at some specific aspect of a customer. We want to find all the customers that interacted with us in that way, had an agreement of a certain kind. I guess it could hypothetically be with almost anything in legal docs you'd want to find um, if there's any other examples yep. you think that are worth calling out there, I'd be happy to go through them.
1: Absolutely. So, so there are some really simple ones, and it's interesting when you start talking about contracts, right? You think legal, but it's actually more than just legal within a company that's interested, right? So you have the really simple question of, you know, perhaps a salesperson who's just been assigned a new account, you know, being able to say, okay, show me all of the contracts for this account. Right? That's one. And then more in the legal realm, let's say you went through an acquisition, right? And you now have a whole, you know, pile of contracts from that acquisition where frankly, you know, you really have no idea what kinds of clauses are in there and how they might compare to your clauses, right? So that's another use case is being able to actually compare something to your standard and in being able to find areas where clauses are substantially different from your standard and being able to zero in on that. So in other words, give the lawyer access to the ones that actually might be problematic or most important to be looked at. Um, And then another one is, you know, limit of liability, that's a really popular one, right? So, you know, the GC walks by a junior lawyer and says, hey, for this recent acquisition, What's our exposure from a limit of liability for a data breach across these customer contracts? How do you answer that today? Well, you lock a whole bunch of these lawyers into a room for could be days, could be weeks, reading contracts, right? You can extract that information and make that available for really, you know, a few clicks in the visual search UI to find those contracts that have liability you know, above a standard term or that have liability that would concern us from a you know specific clause like the data breach limit of liability. So it does go across. It's really a question of thinking through kind of what are the questions you'd love to answer and then enriching the information using machine learning and AI in order to be able to answer those questions.
0: Yeah. And as you had mentioned, Clearly a broader set of questions, a broader set of capabilities than purely legal would be concerned with, you know, from sales to other kinds of just general account management. I mean, there's a lot of reasons we'd want to have that transparency. Obviously yep. part of the challenge there is training a system to identify similar clauses, you know, to for to have an NLP system, using the word understand is very anthropomorphic, but kind of conceptually grasp what is it about this paragraph, what is this stipulating, what does this mean? Find me similar paragraphs. That is not easy work. I imagine there's a lot of labeling. There's a lot of training. That's not an overnight shebang, but even some light level of the promise of that could mean, as you had meant, less lawyers locked up in a room for two weeks. So one of the things that
1: makes it difficult is actually that, you know, if you had all your, you know, contracts using your standard template... Um, the world would be a much better place, right? Of course. But the reality is, you know, sometimes we negotiate different terms. Sometimes we use, you know, the customer's paper because that's what, you know, ends up happening. Sometimes you have stuff that comes from mergers and acquisitions that looks completely different. So, you know, really the power of machine learning in AI is that you can do this even when you're dealing with very disparate-looking content, right? So being able to find, you know, that right clause that I'm trying to look at, um, and yes, it does require training, but being able to do that in a in a platform where you know we approach it as a you know pre-trained models that you know, get refined for a given customer as yep. opposed to you know a customer sort of doing this
0: on their own, yeah, yeah, obviously that's the value prop of the vendor landscape, right? is like the buyer doesn't want to be the full-time algorithm trainer. There probably will have to be tailoredness to different individual enterprises. but, Hopefully, you know, especially as this scales and goes out to more and more people, there are some, some things that are almost copy and paste about certain kinds of legal terms, certain kinds of language, certain kinds of maybe concepts that can be grasped by an NLP system. So definitely the value prop of the vendor landscape there. And I know that these horizontals also extend into interesting individual use cases within sectors you folks are doing work in financial services, banking, insurance, energy. What are some of the interesting ways where this kind of discovery AI tech fits a role in those vertical examples?
1: Um, yep, so actually energy is is a great one and and again I think it illustrates various, you know, parts of of the things that we've talked about. So, one use case in energy is you've got your geoscientists who are looking for all the different assets that the company has in order to drive decisions around where should I drill or what's the value of a given well, right? And so the kinds of stuff that you're dealing with might be, you know, huge maps that are paper, right? So digitizing those And being able to leverage those. They have seismic data on tape. There's vast amounts of seismic data on tape. So being able to crack those open and ingest that content and make that available to the geoscientists as well as all of the digital born information that's available, you know, so vast array of information that one of these, you know, geophysicists needs to be able to leverage. And the way that they need to leverage it is, you know, based on show me everything about a certain spot on the map. Right And so the difficulty that they're facing and where they're spending you know half of their time searching versus actually analyzing the information is going across all the different repositories and frankly, you know not being sure that they' found all of them, right? and and being able to leverage some of this data is very very expensive to generate so you really you know want to make sure that you're using what you already have as yeah. opposed to you know potentially not finding it and having to generate it again so from an input perspective various sources across physical and digital that are important here and then from a processing perspective it's all about adding the right kind of metadata right enriching the information in the right way so For this particular use case, you're looking for geolocation. You're looking to, you know, determine what area of the globe this particular map is for, this seismic is for, this well log is for. And you're, you're looking to extract that information so that now the geoscientists can actually access it by location, right? They can essentially point to a spot on the map and say, give me all the assets for this spot on the map so that I can determine where we should drill or I can determine the value of a well. Another piece that that is important here is, you know, there there is metadata available already, right? So if it's physical assets, our customers are keeping lots of metadata about assets that they store with us. So it's important to be able to marry that up with the digital or digitized content so that you're not losing any of the information that you do have about these assets, as well as potentially external sources. So for oil and gas, maybe an IHF database, et cetera. And so... Being able to take what we generate from a machine learning AI perspective in terms of net new enriched metadata Alongside the existing metadata and being able to create those relationships between all of that metadata and between across all of these assets is really where the power comes in of very, very quickly enabling those geoscientists to find the right stuff and spend most of their time analyzing and very little of it, you know, trying to pick together all the information that they need. Uh, there's another, you know, really powerful thing for oil and gas, which is, you know, finding Similar images. So if you think about, you know, perhaps there is a geological um, intrusion and, you know, that's a great sign for, you know, potentially finding oil. Well, you want to be able to find any other images that you have that look like that so that you can identify, you know, potentially good spots on the map where you might want to drill. So that would be a, a, a great example for oil and gas in this case for subsurface records. Clearly, right, faster analysis, better decisions is, is what you're looking for in terms of an outcome.
0: Yeah, and I think obviously a lot of those use cases still have to be fleshed out because of how new that is to this oil and gas sector. You know, leveraging image assets in any way other than slowly yanking them out of a, you know, a digital file or a physical file and looking at them manually is going to be new. But clearly, yeah, if we if we have that kind of visual data inside a whole bunch of physical locations where we've done our drilling maybe we'll have an idea of where our higher yield domains might be and we can allocate our funds you know in a more efficient manner as you were already bringing up you brought up metadata a couple times before we move on to financial services i'm interested to just get i guess a little bit of insight there i can imagine Metadata could imply a few things. If we look at where our wells are located, for example, I could imagine metadata even being third party where we would yank in, let's say, weather patterns. So if we look at production values and costs of transportation, we could also maybe correlate that with with weather patterns in some way where somebody else already has it stored. But it also could be information from within our company. What did you mean by metadata and could that be from within or without? Absolutely. So, so yes, you're right on. It can
1: be from within. It can be from without, right? So it could be metadata that you have in a repository already. It could be metadata that's available out in the market for purchase. It could be publicly available information for certain, you know, properties, et cetera. There is lots of public information. And really the key is, you know, to be able to to create the relationship between all of these different bits and pieces and making it all part of the metadata that's attached to an asset right so now i know that this map pertains to a certain spot on the globe and i also know that the the well logs are from that same spot and i also know you know what ihs data is available for that spot so that's exactly the the power is really adding to the metadata and and creating that relationship so that you can go across the different asset types and search in a way that's conducive to you know quickly finding the right information for the decision or for the question yeah. that you need to answer.
0: And that that's an art and science more than a podcast. That's a book unto itself, right? Is is finding these metadata layers that will now make this kludge of different kinds of info accessible. Obviously that's the strategy kind of high touch stuff, but clearly as you said, very critical to to making these search functions you know, something that can be integrated into workflows and just speed up processes. It sounds like that's, that's where there's some strategic thinking.
1: Absolutely. And it's, it's really, you know, thinking through what are the questions you'd love to be able to answer. um, And then backing into what kind of information do I need to pull out of the different documents as part of the processing that we do with the machine learning in order to have that, or where is that information today? that i already have how do i now marry that up with these assets right so it's really you know starting from the end and starting from you know what questions do i want to be able to answer what problems do i want to be able to solve what manual steps do i have in a process that are slowing down that process and working backwards to what do i need to do in order to be able to speed that up to
0: to be able to provide that information and answer those questions Yep. Okay, cool. I'm following you on that one. And I know that we wanted to touch on kind of the finance world as well. Very big area for these sort of emerging search functions. I mean, you talk about a kind of company that has very old files and very old formats. I mean, banks have been around forever. What are some vendor or some sort of vertical specific use cases within, let's say, banking or insurance?
1: Yep. So since you talked about the, uh, old stuff and been around forever, um, here's a, here's a perfect example, right? So lots and lots of banks have microfiche decades worth of microfiche that may be account statement images, right? So they took all of these account statements. They, um, you know, put it on microfiche. And for those people who don't know, that's like an index card size, you know, sort of fiche that has hundreds of pages, images, like, you know, pinhead size images. So, you know, why would you want to get at that stuff? Because clearly that's not last year statements or last month statements. So it might be an estate coming back to the bank and saying, hey, we think you owe us, you know, X million dollars for this particular estate and having to be able to go back and produce, for example, a couple of years worth of statements. Right. So think through that. Right. So go find the right microfiche in the right box you know, put it on your little microfiche breeder thingy, find the right square on that microfiche, get that digitized, right? And then do it again. And that, that was month one. And hopefully you only have one page statements because if it's two pages, you're doing it twice on that particular month, right? So doing that for, you know, 24 months takes a really long time, right? And by the way, you're not adding any value through this. All you're doing is responding to a request from a customer, so, being able to extract all of that information, and in this case, it's actually quite illustrative, right? So, what do you, it's very, very simple, really, use case, right? I want to be able to search for an account number across a bunch of different years worth of, you know, data and find all of the relevant statements yeah. for a date range, right? It's a very simple problem, but it's very hard to do with, you know, physical microfiche. And again, this is very prevalent in the financial services sector. Another example is mortgages, right? So as a as a you know customer, right, a lot of this stuff is digital now. And so, you know, we might think that there really isn't, you know, too much paper involved anymore, and yet, you know, sometimes when you end up, you know, sort of at the end of that process, you still get a stack of papers. And oh, by the way, the back end processes oftentimes still involve literally printing that stuff out and having physical paper sort of moving around. So this process, you know, first of all, it takes a long time, right? It takes longer than it should. And part of the reason for that is that there is a lot of, you know, sort of manual intervention. And really, what are you trying to do? You're trying to figure out at the front end of the process, right? You're trying to figure out whether you have all of the information that's required to make a decision about, you know, providing someone with a loan. So You know, this is really illustrative of what do we do with classification and extraction. So classification answers the first question, which is, do I have all the documents that are supposed to be part of this loan file, right? Yeah. Once I've answered that with a yes or no, then I go to the next step, which is, is this all filled out completely and accurately? So do I have a signature where I expect the signature? Do I have, you know, the same name and the same social security number across all the documents in this file? Do I have the same APR or are there any documents that, you know, have a different name or a misspelled name or a misspelled social security number? What have you. Right. So finding the information across the documents that's the extraction right so i'm pulling out the name i'm pulling out the social security number i'm pulling out the apr i'm pulling out all of these relevant bits and pieces to be able to answer the second question which is is it filled in completely and accurately right so what you're looking at here is a process going from you know north of a week to less than a day right very powerful in terms of the customer experience. So, you know, presumably I'm going to get my loan faster, my approval faster, but also from a obviously, you know, process um, efficiency perspective for the actual, you know, vendor in this case. And then the, the other thing is now that I've done all of this work, I have really rich information that I can use in a secondary way. For example, am I compliant with fair lending laws, right? I now can actually answer that question as well. So on top of having you know, improved my process, I now have the ability to think about other secondary use cases that I can support so that I can answer questions like, am I compliant with
0: fair lending laws? Yeah. And all of this seems to tie to the big point that you'd mentioned around energy where we really do need to ask ourselves, what are the questions we need to ask? What are the processes we want to enable? Because when you talked about lending, in order to set up something of that kind, of course, you know we'd want to know where we store all of those certain kinds of files and what certain kinds of terms we're looking for, like to build out the process that would get something that would be, like you had said, maybe take a week down to a day you know, we would need to do the strategic thinking ahead of time and set up the system so that search could work there. But it sounds like it would be the same process. It's essentially if we're gonna create a new map to find and get to and do what we want to faster, it's gonna involve asking those hard questions about if we could search at all, what would we and what could that enable? Like that's that's a brainstorm that it sounds like the business leaders kind of really have to be at the table to do. Absolutely. Yeah, you wanna
1: have the right folks around the table and multiple, you know, sort of interested parties potentially around the table early on so that you can make sure that you're, you know, as you're processing all of this information, you're actually, you know, sort of adding the right kind of metadata so that you can answer everybody's questions down the line. Now, you know, that being said, you can certainly start with, you know, what is the most pressing or the most urgent and then add over time. So it's not an issue of, you know, I have to think about all of it at once. So yep. in our example, right, We may come to the realization once we've done this for the mortgage process that we actually do want to be able to answer that compliance question as well, and we can do that by essentially sort of refining what we're doing from a processing perspective and reprocessing the assets that we've already ingested to add that additional metadata that we're now looking for. So you can absolutely come at it sort of bit by bit and solve the most pressing problems first. And same for, you know, things like policy, right? So maybe initially you're automating a process. You're not thinking about applying your retention policy, but you may want to, right? So now that I know what I have, I can actually figure out how long I should be keeping it and process it for destruction when I don't need to keep it anymore so that we, you know, start really getting our arms around this big, huge pile of unstructured data. Also from the perspective of, you know, should I be keeping it anymore?
0: Yeah. And and I also like the point that you just brought up there as well around, you know, does this have to start from thinking through the whole business through this data and search lens? Or can we just solve something that, by golly, we need to solve it now? I guess it could start both ways. And I could maybe see instances where different businesses might want to make a different call there as to where their priorities are kind of near term and long term.
1: Yeah, no, I think one important thing there is, you know, if you think that you're going to want to go broader, you, you know, the part that you should be thinking about early on is what does that mean in terms of the kind of tool that I need, right? So if I need to go across physical and digital information, what does that mean? If I need to go across video images and office documents, what does that mean, right? So not getting yourself sort of in a corner where, you know, you go, okay, well, we have this one thing that we want to solve. So let's have this very targeted sort of solution. But then, you know, you turn around and you go, okay, I'd love to solve the next problem as well. And now you're looking at, you know, frankly, being, you know, having painted yourself in a corner where it's like, well, we can't process videos on the same platform. So now we're, you know, rolling out a second one and the third one and the fourth one. So it, it is important to think about where you might want to go with it. But you don't necessarily have to you know sort of start with everything all at once you should be thinking about it as a you know first second third but really do make sure that you understand where you're ultimately you know potentially going to want to go so that as you're deciding to put in solutions you're not kind of narrowing your choices down the line
0: yeah well we're we're seeing that now in the the enterprise landscape where there's the kludge of data and moving parts within enterprises is being cobbled with the kludge of various vendors being plugged in here, there, and everywhere. And and I think, particularly in a space like financial services, in maybe two, three years, I think there there is going to be a realization that, you know, there has to be some strategy here. We don't want to plug in a little fix-it here and a little band-aid there. We want to have a way of enabling new full-blown capabilities. And obviously that is the advantage of of looking big picture. And I know a lot of the listeners, Anka, are gonna be folks you know to, to this episode are going to be people who found us from you know ai and oil and gas a google search or one of our financial examples so hopefully they've gotten a lot of good sort of mind expansion from some of these new areas of search and discovery that could bring value to their sector and i know that's all we have for time but anka i appreciate you elaborating on these examples and kind of painting some of the business value of where this stuff is headed so thanks so much for joining us thank
1: you for having us
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of AI and Industry. This is your host, Dan Vigella. I hope that we catch you next week. Many of our executive listeners often get great ideas from our podcasts or our newsletters, but they end up coming to us for more help. So they might see some research project that we did with the World Bank, and they might want to do some of their own research on deeper market opportunities for AI in a specific sector or understanding the growth rates of AI in a certain domain. Uh, They might have seen some AI business strategy work that we've done with a pharmaceutical company and maybe ask about things along those lines or see one of the presentations that we've given at the United Nations and ask if we can speak at an event. Uh, And while we certainly do these things. Uh, We're certainly involved with clients on pretty big projects on a regular basis. A lot of the time, these messages will just end up in my personal inbox. People will find my email or they'll just find me on LinkedIn and send along a message. And this ends up being actually pretty tough to juggle at this point, given the travel schedule and given all the the client projects that we're involved in. And few people actually know, particularly people who only listen to the podcast and and aren't on Emerge.com or on the newsletter, uh, don't know that we actually have a services page that lists what we can help with. So we are not the best at everything, but in terms of what we do, which is mapping the capability space of AI and conveying that to executives in ways that help them win in the market, specific services tailored to that can be found at emerj.com slash services. So here at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, we work with government departments, we work with public companies, uh, we work with organizations who are serious about making AI a competitive advantage, and again, we actually do list sort of the programs that we have. So many of the podcast listeners don't know this. These messages end up in my inbox, and then I'm you know, traveling for two weeks and I feel really bad that I get back to people later, but you can reach us through that services page or simply send along an email at services at emerj.com services at emerj. Dot com. From there, Dylan or Marcus or one of our team members will be able to get back to you much more quickly uh, than I would via LinkedIn. So if you're interested in doing more with what you've learned here, if you have serious business initiatives related to artificial intelligence and you want to take your organization to the next level, just simply reach us at emerge.com slash services that's e-m-e-r-j.com slash services or just email services at emerge.com that's emerge with a j so thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode next week again we're going to be diving into ai use cases and trends and conveying the transferable lessons that you can bring to your organization and i look forward to having you here next week